0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to a Monday edition of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. It's a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive. And a lot of thoughts to marinate on from not only Friday night's high school football, all of the action-packed college football game this coming past Saturday, and as well as the NFL from yesterday and the doubleheader that's going to be played today. So we've got a lot to jump into on this Let It Marinate Monday edition of the final drive. If you have not downloaded the Sound of Mobile app, make sure you do that to any Apple or Android device that you have because we would love to hear from you. We're taking your telephone calls as well, 251-694-694. 105.5, and we're going to start to let it marinate a little early on this Monday afternoon. Auburn is at the forefront of who I picked to defeat Texas A&M, and if you're looking through the first 30 minutes of Auburn versus Texas A&M, you're very happy about the outcome, 6-3, but when you come out in the third quarter, lay a goose egg your defense can only do so much your offense when it does not have a go-to-wide receiver and get sacked seven times that's a problem that's something that Hugh Freeze had to marinate on all weekend long but on Saturday Hugh Freeze Nick he chimed in about the struggles of this Auburn's offense scoring territory
2: and would get a penalty or or a sack and it knocked
3: us out of scoring points that uh, kind of would have made it a little more interesting for sure and then the third quarter was dominated by them. You know, I think we had two three and outs and they had most of their yards probably in the third quarter uh, it felt like and you know, they're they're a good football team for sure. I thought our kids played well enough on defense outside of the few explosive plays to give us a chance to win the game, but offensively we're we're searching and we gotta we gotta find some answers.
1: Fadusti in the app says Auburn has a go to wide receiver. Thorne can't hit the broadside of a barn. Well, if you have a go to wide receiver, I think you freeze would kinda say, Look, like he did in the California game. You've got to find this guy, or we're going to have to adjust our offense to find it. So the struggles at Auburn are going, not going to get any easier as they take on the number one team in the country. And the Deep South's oldest rivalry coming up in the odds 14 and a half point favorites are the Georgia Bulldogs. I would expect that, that line to be probably close to 30 the same way the line should have been in the Colorado-Oregon game. And we'll get into that and let that marinate here on this Monday in just a moment. But also, you look at the disappointment of South Alabama, folks. Let us know what you think about those Jaguars and the consistency there. Because to me, what has to happen is South Alabama sustained success. And if you sustain success – then you're going to be just fine. If you don't sustain success, back-to-back wins, you can't go on the road to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and whoop up on Oklahoma State the way that you did and then fall into that trap game because that's exactly what happened. And you're leading 14-0 to at home at Hancock-Whitney Stadium, at homecoming, and you're waiting for people to explode, to go ahead and say, look, we're getting ready to go on the road and win our first Belt Conference game with a little momentum, then all of a sudden the walls come crashing down for the Jaguars. Yeah, uh, tough
4: weekend for the Jaguars, tough weekend for Auburn, tough weekend for the Alabama haters, tough weekend for the Believers, tough weekend for the Saints fans, tough weekend for the Falcons fans,
1: tough weekend for a lot of people. I had a great weekend, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding, my brother. I bet you did. Outstanding weekend. I I know a lot of other people had an outstanding weekend as well. I guess half the people did, right? Uh, Well, I I think it's
4: even more than half. My Cowboys Super Bowl uh, believers, not the
1: best weekend. Well, I, I know this, that when you go back and you do look at Auburn, realistically, defensively, they played out of their minds in the first half. And we will talk to Zach Blackerby at 5 o'clock on that. And we're also scheduled to be joined by Barrett Salee today at 315. We had audio difficulties. We weren't able to get him on. So hopefully he'll come through today at 315. And after him, we'll talk Tony Sakalis, Little Bama Illustrated there. And also, I just said Zach Blackerby will be there. But I know that Alabama and all of this, they come away with the big-time win over Ole Miss and a young freshman, Jalen Hale, two receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Alabama's been looking to consistency at wide receiver. Maybe that that's the case, that Miro continues to produce. But Miro, outside of that one interception that he had, which was a horrible interception early, yeah. And I know a lot of the haters came out. A lot of the haters came out. Here we go again. Same old, same old. I knew he had to throw it to the Crimson Jersey. To me, that made him play even better. Were you impressed
4: by Alabama in that win? I was not. They won,
1: but they didn't do anything that impressed me. First half was not impressive because yeah. you're trailing again 7-6, And you're looking at after Milrow throws that interception, he winds up being 9 out of 11, 159 yards, another touchdown. Six out of his nine passes were first down. And then he had some explosive plays. Four out of those nine were 20-plus yards. So second half performance by the Crimson Tide, absolutely I was impressed. I was impressed showing that, look, we got in the locker room, we made the type of adjustments that needed to be made. But you can't be happy with being on the one-yard line. And I'll say it over and over again, and Nick Saban chimed in about it today as well. You can't be on the one-yard line and get in shotgun and settle for a field goal. It, It can't happen on first and goal. You have to find a way to get into that end zone and stop putting three points on the board. A positive side for the Crimson Tide, Will Reichert, just continues not to let people down. And I know that when you don't let people down from a special teams point, that's that third phase that's ultimately going to win a lot of games for you. But Alabama, was it impressive? It was not. Was Ole Miss's performance impressive in the first half? Maybe so. But more importantly now for the Crimson Tide defensively, you're without Deontay Lawson, who's day-to-day. And any time that you don't have your starting linebacker, your alpha dog in there, it's going to be tough for them to handle. Yeah. Um, you're right. I definitely think they finally
4: were able to get some consistent uh, running back play, finally, which was good. Now, Milro wasn't able to run it. 16 carries, 28 yards. I think that Ole Miss did a good job containing that. Yep. But and I think – jalen Milrow, credit to him he was able to pull some other aspects of his game that deep ball that we know looks good he hit on a couple of those so look i mean good job to alabama on getting the win but it's still gonna be a long season i don't think i mean was alabama gonna lose two at home in a row no it wasn't gonna happen they were gonna win this game I would be nervous, though. When, when is that a game? Is that around the corner? Man,
1: all I know is Mississippi State is next week. I don't know about That's what's easy around the win. corner. That's an easy win. No, 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 no. Uh, you can't go in to Mississippi State and I say it's they, easy. They, they the can but the
4: I can as a person who, <laughs> who doesn't
1: work for the team or anything. Well, I, I'm definitely not going to do it. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to take Mississippi State lightly. I, I'm just not going to do it. I, you can't afford to do it. And I know that Mississippi State, you know, those cowbells, that's a tough place to win. That's definitely a tough place to win. But I know that the cowboys the, the, or the cowbells in that type of environment, it can be hostile. Sylvester Croom, he found a way to do it and get it done. And this, if you're going to beat Alabama, this is a prime time to do it. And I know when you go back and you look at this past week's game with what Mississippi State, how they almost beat South Carolina. South Carolina's not a bad squad. They're not a bad squad at all. And right. the fact that they had to go on the road and took all they could take away from South Carolina besides a victory, that's big time. Because Mississippi State, you scored a donut in the first quarter, 17 points you explode for in the second quarter. You, you're, you're a dangerous dog that's
4: facts well look i'm excited to talk to our next guest i know throughout the show i think we have a good bit of open time in that uh second hour hour number two this is this was not a good week for the triple g guarantee nick wiggins predictions but days and bad days my brother i got a couple right my guy dion though
1: We'll we'll get into that. Are they still in the top 25, by the way, Nick? I don't know. They should be. Eh, That's a negative, my brother. They should be. Barrett Salee coming up next here on The Final Drive.
5: Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports
1: back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins on this Let It Marinate Monday. We want to hear from you and we definitely want to hear from our next guest, Barrett Salee. Covers college football for CBS Sports and SXM College Radio. Barrett, welcome to the final drive and I'll tell you what, really, you knew that Dion was going to have a whooping coming sooner or later and Alabama was going to continue to find a Quarterback with Milrow, who was going to find pieces to the puzzle, which ultimately was a win against Ole Miss.
6: Yeah, I mean, with, with uh, Alabama, I was surprised they picked Ole Miss to win. I think the the quarterback takes too much takes too much heat and, and also gets too much praise. I think the biggest thing with Alabama was a the defense, but from an offensive standpoint, the offensive line played well, and I mean, not great, but well enough. Certainly better than they had in the previous three games. So. You know, that certainly helped Milrow. He had his moments where you kind of scratch your head, especially that touchdown in the end zone. Uh, and you know, I said this last week, too, you know, and, and after the Texas game. It, it's not necessarily his fault. You know, it's the offensive lines. And then, you know, he doesn't deserve the ton of praise. He doesn't need to be a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate after what we saw Saturday. It's the offensive line. It's always been about the offensive line, and it played well against Ole Miss, and I think that was a big reason uh, why they got the job done. And, look, I mean, Dion. <laughs> it was – they're, I thought they were a three-win team going into the season. The, the casuals that hopped on <laughs> the Dion bandwagon, for whatever reason, thought they were an eight-win team. Now we can all sort of come together and realize, hey, you know, he's better than we thought. He's not a superstar. It's a decent Colorado team, which is uh, a compliment, to say the least. So, um, look, I, you know, it's he's going to draw eyeballs. I get it. Um, and, and teams are going to do what Oregon did, which is, Absolutely annihilate them, and when they feel like calling off the dogs, they're going to call them off once the statement has been made. That's going to happen a lot to Colorado this year because it's a recruiting boom for those teams, right? It's not personal. It's the fact that, hey, going to have eyeballs, people going to be watching Dion, current players, former uh, uh, prospects, might as well go make a name for yourself uh, as well as your school.
1: Auburn had an opportunity to get Hugh Freeze to 4-0. and They're having all type of quarterback problems. What is the answer for Hugh Freeze, a quarterback with Georgia, coming to Jordan-Hare on Saturday?
6: Uh, the answer would be to go find Michael J. Fox, find his DeLorean with a flux capacitor, and go back in time and recruit a better quarterback. <laughs> go back to... When, when, when did the first portal open, Dece- or December 1st or 2nd, whenever it was that first Monday? Um, they don't have one. And I think it's, uh, for, 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 from what I see, like, look, either run Robbie Ashford and run the triple option out of the spread, which is not going to get you a lot of wins, but, you know, keep it competitive in some games. Or find some way to get Peyton Thorne out of the, uh, the Yip's. You know, gone. Because, like, look, I think Peyton Thorne, there's a reason he threw for 6,000 yards in the Big Ten, right? But to me, he looks like a shortstop that can't throw the ball to first base. He looks like a pitcher that has the ifs and has to go through, you know, sports psychology to figure it out. Like, that's, I don't know how you fix that, but he's, he's so much better than he's showing, but he can't get out of his head. And to me, that's, Kind of the worst place, the worst thing to happen at the wrong time for 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 Auburn because uh, it's not going to work against Georgia. So, um, yeah, there's no good answer this year. Uh, I think Hugh understands that. I think that Peyton Thorne was a backup or primary backup option anyway uh, because he certainly wanted someone in the first portal window and through no really no fault of his own, you know, had one, but it didn't didn't work out, and so it's just kind of what Auburn is this year. They're going to live with defense and, and hope they figure out a way to move the football or score defensively. And that's, it's not the, it's not the best option, but it's certainly you know, better than a team that has no defense because man, Auburn was really darn solid.
4: Barrett, you, you referred to me as a casual because I am a Dion believer, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay.
6: <laughs> I don't know why you would be a Dion. Look, they don't block. They haven't blocked all year. They don't block at all. And think about this. For all we say about Shadur Sanders and how much of a dual threat he is, he entered that game, or now exiting that game, he has negative 95 yards rushing. That's how bad that offensive line is. Yeah, granted, sacks are a part of that. Shadur has been a, a great runner this year, and he's still at negative 95 yards rushing. Like, that's how bad that offensive line is.
1: Yeah. I'm not a well, believer, well, have not been, and won't I, be. I, I didn't think they I'm were gonna, sorry. I'll say, I, I didn't think they were going to beat Oregon. I did yeah, think they did. were going to
4: cover. I said they were going to cover.
1: Well, Barrett, my partner here, he, he is he's on those mushrooms that Aaron Rodgers likes to be on, but that's okay, too. That's all right, too. I, I won't hold that against him. And I will say hey, they this. they help you see the truth, man. I, I will hold it against Dabo that's Sweeney. <laughs> I thought Dabo Sweeney was going to find a way to sneak FSU, in, and instead they lost that game. Was that on Dabo and his decision-making, or was it just this Clemson team is just average and Florida State, escapes for the second consecutive week by the skin of their teeth. Well, I
6: think Clemson is it's in a situation. It's certainly not what it used to be. I think there's no doubt about that. But I think it, D, uh, Davo has struggled to figure out Clemson's identity for a couple years now. And so right now, I think because of that, it's taken away some of his focus on actually coaching and, and developing because K. Kudnick has not developed. You know, he was supposed to be a superstar. He was in the ACC championship game last year. And not only has he not really been that this year, they kind of coached around him, around his perceived strength, which I don't get. And then, you know, the kicker thing, look bad, bad set of circumstances, but, you know, it is what it is. I think the biggest thing is in that overtime when an RPO was called on, what, fourth and one, third and one, whatever it was, and... And Kade threw it instead of getting the easy one yard on the ground. You know, Davo was mad. You could see him. Say, you could see him yell at Kate, run the ball. Well, that's also situational awareness that, sure, Kade didn't have it, but Davo should make sure that Kate does have it. And so I think that's kind of a reflection of where that team is right now. It To me, I think it's, it's a fair question to ask if Davo truly is an elite coach or if he – is a really good coach that struck gold with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence back-to-back. And it's sort of the same thing, I think, not nearly as um, as, as bad, but it's the same thing you can kind of say about Jimbo Fisher, right? It, he's a pretty good coach that struck gold with Jameis Winston and won a national championship. Um, but I do think Dabo's I think not as stubborn as Jimbo, which granted is not exactly a a low bar right there.
4: <laughs> Notre Dame, Ohio State. I think that was the game of the week, the game that everyone was really watching. I think it had the most playoff implications because of you know the top tier talent teams going against each other. But what what happened there at the end of that game? I, you know, did they have ten men on the field? What 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 was going on?
6: Well, Marcus Freeman's saying he'd, he'd rather just run with it with 10 rather than take a penalty. It's like, okay, dude, do you want to try to stop a team from one yard out with 10 or a half yard out with 11? Like, like what is that explanation? So, you know, I think it, it's – I think I've heard, this is what I sort of gathered from Notre Dame is that they had not been in a spotlight with this sort of – uh, ram- with these ramifications under Marcus Freeman, which is true, right? Um, and I think they panicked a little bit because we all know, you know, every team has it. All these big money teams have massive support staff, right? Well, one person's job during a game literally is to count bodies. Like that's it. That's the role during game day. And I just think that maybe the the the, the structure the the way that uh, things are streamlined in that staff just aren't what it needs to be in terms of, of winning at an elite level. It's a learning experience, right? You know, Marcus is still new at this. He's, I think he's a great, good coach. He'll be fine. But I think that maybe from a coaching staff perspective, they weren't prepared for you know a close game of that magnitude.
1: Sam Pittman finds a way to lose the game. For Arkansas against LSU. LSU squeaks by to me, which is not a bad Arkansas team, but how good is LSU, and will they continue to make everyone sit on their edge of their seats every week?
6: I don't think they will. I mean, I think they're a really good team, and I just think they got off to a slow start, Um, and, you know, uh, I think Arkansas took advantage of of a little bit of a weakness, which is their secondary, which, you know, is still building, which, you know, it happens. I think what Sort of gets lost in maybe some LSU criticism of them not covering the spread and having to, to kick a field goal with five seconds left to win is the fact that they scored on their last seven drives. <laughs> that's, that's really hard to do, to score on your last seven drives. And I, I think overcoming tough starts, you know, that's something that championship caliber teams do. They have to. Um, and, and so I, I'm not going give, to give them a mulligan because. You know, we've seen that secondary get, you know, kind of kind of torched a little bit this year. They've had some issues. But it's, it's, a, it's a team that outside of some few minor tweaks here and there defensively can can be a championship-caliber team. And we saw that offense. So I don't think anybody in the world can guard Malik league neighbors. And if Jaden Daniels stays healthy, they're going to be really, really good and in the mix of the national championship down the stretch. The, the one thing I'd like to see different from LSU is Jaden Daniels needs to stop stru- stop trying to get himself killed once or twice per game because, holy crap, that dude will jump in the middle of the line and just get hammered for no reason whatsoever.
1: Yeah, he does get wiped out. And i tell you what, we want that shakeup in the top 25, but with all the players being healthy that are going to play in these top 10 matchups week to week. And, Barrett, you do a great job, 365 of covering college football year-round. How can our listeners tune in, or follow all of your great coverage of college football.
6: Yeah, you can download the CBS Sports app, watch CBS Sports HQ, streaming over the top on all streaming devices, uh, listen on SiriusXM, and you know follow on X, Instagram threads, all of those things at Barrett list.
1: Barrett, thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to talking to you in a few weeks as the SEC progresses. All right, thanks for having me. Barrett Salee joining us this afternoon and casual. Called me a casual. Yeah, Nick, you know, they casually got their tails kicked on Saturday. And, you know, step to success. Hey, listen. Just believe that it's coming again, brother. Believe that. Believe that, Nick. Nah, nah, nah. Nothing but dubs. Eight wins. Here we come. Dubs, dubs dubs listen y'all got y'all's dubs in the first three weeks nick so be happy with Aww, that man. kumbaya with nah. the rest of the folks take your blender shades they and enjoy that my brother nah, because man. i know yours haven't arrived yet so you're not totally blinded by the truth well, well, but i can't wait to be the, the, again <laughs> the truth is that colorado is going to get look, in the, worse. Uh, they said
4: nick you said colorado would win i didn't say they would win and corey you can vouch for me on this i said that they could win i said they had the ability to win will I they win this week Dion.
1: will they win this week they will could. they
4: win no 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 yes or no they have the ability to win this game will they win yes or no probably not but i think I'm they'll cover they're not going to get, even Dion said, it, that's the worst. They ain't never going to be, get beat that bad again. It ain't going to happen again. Brother,
1: if you believe that, then there's a Buffalo waiting for you outside, my brother, for you to get on and go back to Boulder. We'll be right back on the final drive.
6: War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP. What?
1: Back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Want to thank Barrett Salive for um, CBS Sports and Sirius XM Radio for hopping on board with us and going around the college football world. And yes, you have 10 players on the field versus Ohio State. And Coach Freeman said today, you either win or you learn. So a very valuable lesson being learned at really cost the Notre Dame finding Irish a win at home in front of all their fans and we did talk about Oregon's Dan Lanning. He's quacking the fans up with his pregame speech versus Colorado that he gave and we'll play that a little bit later on as well but want to welcome to the final drive Tony Sakalis. Tony Sakalis, managing editor for Tide Illustrated Tony it's a pretty good day to be in tuscaloosa the tide win 24 to 10 and nick saban the only thing he really wasn't happy with happy with was the fact that the tide couldn't score on first and goal from the one
2: yeah what are they doing doing a shotgun snap in that situation i don't think he was too happy about that when he was asked about it today either but um Look, there's some frustrating parts from that old Miss win, but I think Alabama's taking that game every day. It's a game that they can learn off of, and then also a game that, you know, I, I think that they're going to really build some momentum from.
1: Well, when you look at one Jalen Hale coming in and making that big-time catch, the true freshman, he's only had three receptions on the season, but one of those now being a touchdown. Alabama's been waiting on that breakout wide receiver because I've been kind of wondering where Jakori Brooks is, what's going on with him. I mean, only one reception for two yards, but welcome to the party, Jalen Hale. Yeah,
2: he's a guy that, you know, I, see, I still think we've got a little bit to wait until we see him, you know – uh, break into that leading receiver role, or really taking a, a, on a huge role in the rotation. But when you look at him, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years he's leading Alabama's receiving core. He's a real talented kid. He's got to polish off his game a little bit, but I, I like what I've seen from him so far.
1: Well, one of the things that we're hoping to see is Deontay Lawson hit the field day to day. He goes out with the an ankle injury, and I know that that's something Coach Saban addressed in his press conference also.
2: Yeah, and you know, Coach, you know, Nick Saban kind of uh, sidestepped that one. He didn't really give uh, an answer on when Lawson's going to be back. It, it's one of those things. It's an ankle injury, which, you know, when, when Nick Saban says it's a, a pretty serious ankle injury, you're you're thinking high ankle sprain. I don't want to play doctor here, but that's usually the case. Um, if that is the case, we've seen that take a few weeks. You know, that, that can be a speedy recovery, but it still usually takes a few weeks. So, I'm not sure that will hurt. Uh, Alabama against Mississippi State but if that was the case they've got games against Texas A&M and Arkansas and, and Tennessee and I think that those games it could be a little bit rougher on Alabama if they're not able to have Lawson.
1: Tony I'm not saying that this Ole Miss offense is a world beater or they're the best in the SEC but Alabama was able to have five sacks and get home five times. Dallas Really looked, Dallas Turner really looked like himself and when you have Braswell and Tim Smith getting it turned up as well, that's a good sign for the defense even though the O-line on the flip side of that, they gave up four sacks. Yeah,
2: I think, you know, and you both you know, starting off on the defense, uh, Alabama's front seven is going to have games like this. They're too talented not to. Uh, and I think you know what Nick Saban said today is you don't always have to sack the quarterback to affect the quarterback. And I think that's true. This is a case where Ole Miss gave them the time to sack Dart, but you know there's there'll be other times when you know the quarterback's going to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. If they can still affect the quarterback, that's just as you know crucial as a sack sometimes. And if he, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they did give up four sacks, and that's the third straight week they've given up four more sacks. But the plus side to that is they all came in the first half, and it seems like Alabama kind of answered the bell after the break. Um, so that's something to take, you know, I, I guess a positive from. But Alabama is still going to have to give Jalen Miller a little bit more time, and he's going to have to do better about getting rid of the ball. Uh, I think some of those sacks were on Jalen Miller this time, unlike the game against uh, USF where I think Alabama's quarterback, you know, Ty Simpson, he—, he you know, sometimes he didn't really have a chance. I think Noro had a chance on some of these. He's got to do a little bit better about getting rid of the ball. But um, I think it's just a work in progress on both sides between Noro and the offensive line uh, and kind of eliminating those sacks.
1: Now, Tony, this may sound very strange, but sometimes the best thing that can happen to a young man is when he does and when he did throw that first interception, no, we did not want it to be in the end zone to cost us six points. But to me, there was more pressure going off of him once he did throw that first one, knowing that, hey, look, now I've made my mistake. I know that I'm just going to continue to go through my progressions, and that's going to make me even sharper. And we saw that. in after the interception, you did not see a bad Jalen Miro. You saw him stand in the pocket take one to the chin and have to catch his breath and then just look, the fans gave him an even louder ovation than they would have if he would have not been knocked down.
2: Yeah. And look, I think, you know, you have to kind of consider is some of that confidence or that able, that ability to kind of shake off the mistake. Is that knowing that he's the starting quarterback? Is that the benefit of naming Jalen Merrill, the starting quarterback and having that weight off his shoulders where he knows, Hey, if I make a mistake, I don't have someone, you know, breathing down my neck to take my job. You know, I, I can recover and then do my job. I don't know if that's the case, but you have to kind of think that that might have played a little bit of a factor. And just obviously his maturity, too, as a as a quarterback, you know, and, you know, you got to have a short memory both ways, uh, both after a good play and after a bad play. And I think he was able to shake that off. I think he went something like 9 of 11 passing for the rest of the game after that interception. So, um, you know, he completed 80% of his passes, but, you know, There's only a couple of deep balls, but he did hit on those deep balls. So, I mean, he did what Alabama asked him to do outside of that interception, and I think it was a really good game from him.
1: You look at Ole Miss only being three out of 14 on third down. Nick Saban has taught me the importance of money down, the importance of getting off the field on third down, not allowing Jackson Dart to continue to be that mobile threat. But when you make Ole Miss punt, I think overall – Lane Kiffin, he really didn't roll the dice and gamble as much as I thought he would have, but I know that he sure was humbled after this loss, only being able to produce 10 points and Pete Golden, it's not like Alabama had that offensive outburst scoring 40 or 50 against them, but I know it had to be pretty sweet to see Pete Golden and Lane Kiffin being on the losing side. Yeah,
2: I think for them that was, and then to, you know, the touch back to the the third down, I think that's really a product of being good on first and second down too. They were, you know, uh, Jackson Dart was one of seven on third down throws, which means he has to throw the ball seven times on third down. That usually is because you have a longer distance to go. So you want to force those passing situations on third down, and then you want to be able to capitalize. And Alabama did both of those things, you know? And so I think that has a lot to do with the pass rush and the secondary. Uh, they kind of help each other out, right? So, you know, the pass rush is making DART throw faster. These the receivers aren't open. You can knock the ball down. Uh, if, if the coverage is, is covering the receivers, it gives more time for the, for the front seven to get home. So I, I think that was a case of Alabama's defense just clicking on all cylinders at the end there. Um, and that really wasn't just a third down thing. I think it was first and second downs, eliminating those big plays and, and making life as hard as possible on the Rebels.
1: Really, a tale of two halves because seven to six going in at halftime, you're like, man, we left points on the board with that interception in the end zone. But what do you think is the biggest difference? Alabama still has not played a complete four quarters of football moving forward on the road at Mississippi State, one of the loudest environments, enclosures that you'll see in the entire SECs with those cowbells ringing. The chances of Alabama coming away with another victory against Mississippi State. What do you say for your predictions for next week?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because during the press conference today, Nick Saban said that uh, this would be the most more challenging than the previous two weeks. Well, I don't know if that was a shot at Lane Kiffin or just trying to get his uh, his team amped up. It, it's kind of hard to believe that you know the two this two and two. Mississippi State team is harder than the Ole Miss team that they just played, but uh, it is a road test. Uh, You know, Davis Wade Stadium is a uh, a tough place to play with those cowbells, and it's noisy, and you have to wonder, too, if, you know, Alabama had some trouble with those snaps. Well, it's going to be loud, and, and, you know, um, that's not the the kind of environment you want to be having any kind of problem between, you know, communication between center and quarterback, so – uh, that'll be an interesting thing to follow. I don't have, I don't see Alabama having too much of a struggle in terms of the actual game. Uh, you know, this uh, Mississippi state pass defenses has been pretty woeful in, in recent weeks. Uh, I know against Jaden Daniels and and, um, Spencer Radler, they've uh, allowed five touchdowns and only six incompletions uh, over two games. So, I I mean, I I think this might be a chance for Jalen Miller to really kind of grow on his performance against Ole Miss and really develop some momentum heading into that game against Texas A&M. And I know Alabama won't be overlooking it, but I think this is a game where they, you know, it shouldn't be too much of a test, and they should be able to continue to build some momentum.
1: You're absolutely right about momentum, and where Alabama did build momentum is in two places: six penalties for 60 yards. I mean, I know that that's over half of a football field, but you do look at going on the road. You just mentioned the quarterback, the center exchange, the false starts. That's something that here in the past Alabama has struggled with on the road, especially in a louder environment, and a healthy offensive line with a return starter coming to the lineup to help Proctor, I think that makes a world of difference also.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tyler Booker won SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Uh, he's a guy that, I mean, he's just a guy that I them not trust. Look, look at when, you know, Jalen Monroe runs behind center and those quarterback sneaks. They're, they're trying to go off of uh, Booker. You know, he, he gives the best push in the running game. He's that trusted guy. He's a leader of the offensive line, so um, it's big to have him. And he'll be big too. You know, I think it's not just the communication between Seth, but you know, I think Tyler Booker helps kind of relay the call down the line when when you know Seth sees something. So. Um, it's going to be big to have him back as well. And, you know, you'd just like to see this Alabama offensive line gel a little bit more. It's been four weeks. It'll uh, be interesting to see what they do with that left tackle position after, you know, both Caden Proctor and Elijah Pritchett played a little bit uh, against Old Miss. So uh, that'll be something to watch. But, uh, yeah, I think that the offensive line and then having Booker back, I think you're just going to see this Alabama team grow over the next few weeks.
1: And that's what it's all about. You go 1-0 in SEC play, and you're able to, to get Lane Kiffin to be a disappointed Lane Kiffin because with divisionless play, there won't be an Alabama Ole Miss anytime soon coming up, so he won't get a chance to to get at his old boss, and Alabama moves forward, looking forward to their matchup in Starkville versus Mississippi State. Tony, great job this week of all your coverage of Alabama everything Alabama, not only from a football standpoint, a lot of basketball news breaking as well. So if people want to find out what's breaking in basketball, what continues on a day-to-day basis to happen in Tuscaloosa and want to follow the Crimson Tide, how can they do so?
2: Sure. The site's tideillustrated.com, or you can go to alabama.rivals.com. You can follow us at Tide Illustrated on Twitter, or you can follow me at Tony underscore on Twitter as well.
1: Thank you so much, my brother. Look forward to talking to you again next week to see if Alabama is 2-0 in SEC play.
2: I'm Talk to you, man.
1: Tony Sakalis, managing editor, Tide Illustrated, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And, folks, were you guys impressed with Jalen Milrow's performance? Were you unimpressed? Were you more impressed with Jalen Milrow? over Auburn's quarterbacks they played three quarterbacks on Saturday that's something you don't see a lot of so who has it better off right now is it Alabama or Auburn you can give us a call 251-694-1055 we love to hear from you continue to correspond with us in the Sound of Mobile app as well you're listening to the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5
7: This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 1055 WMSB.
0: When I am down, and oh, my soul so weary.
4: <sighs> when troubles come, and my <laughs> fellow believers, heart it was a tough me, weekend. <laughs> then I but while they asleep, might count us out, know there's a bigger plan this wasn't just a one-year plan Dion he knew that we knew we knew that people were gonna count us out after the very first L we knew Corey if so if you're standing on a chair and you lift your put your hand out is it easier for someone to pull you off that chair or for you to lift them up on that chair with you. It's always easier to pull someone down than to lift them up. But A, as depressing as this weekend might have been, (laughs) next weekend, it's going to be nothing but fun. Because if you come out to the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street, you can watch the Alabama game with me. Michael's going to be there. It's going to be a big party. You can win a Alabama jersey, courtesy of the vault, that we're going to give away at halftime. You can get you some free t-shirts. And guys, these drink specials, $3 Sweetwater Loggers, $2.50 Miller Lights, $3 Bama Shots. I don't even know what's in a Bama Shot, but I'm sure it's good. So, come on out to the Stables Bar downtown this Saturday. Come watch the Mississippi State game with us. And hopefully, it'll be a little better of a Saturday than what I experienced. And Sunday, it was rough all the way around. My fantasy team is looking good. You know, speaking of fantasy, in our Taco Mama Fantasy Football League, I traded away Justin Jefferson for Travis Kelsey and Raheem Mostert. And that guy got me 40 points. Michael Bronner made that trade. Yeah, he
1: did. Well.
4: And I was playing Michael, and at least I'm beating his him right Patriots now by 80. Won.
1: At least his Patriots won. They That's look the horrible. only thing I could say.
4: Patriots are horrible. Jets are horrible. Colorado is not horrible. It was just a tough week for them. Falcons aren't horrible. Defense looked good. Tough week for them in Detroit. But look. Everyone was wanting to get that first W on Dion. All right. I get it. The dude's blockbuster Hollywood. He's got Kawhi Leonard and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Lil Wayne out there. He's giving everyone sunglasses. I get it. All right. I knew it was going to happen. Now, Did I think it was going to happen that bad?
1: No. Why not, Nick? Why not? Why wasn't it going to happen that bad, brother? Because I believe you believe what that they were going to get their tails kicked I
4: believe that Dion was going to have his guys ready and he didn't and even Dion said that but they ain't I don't gonna be ready this week either it ain't gonna happen again brother it ain't gonna they happen they're going
1: to get destroyed nah man this week man it ain't gonna happen again 21 and a half point favorites you think they're going to cover yeah yeah I know you thought that last week too brother. it only it's only it only happens once man they're gonna get you once well I tell you this much. It's all about the Heisman. Bo Nix wanted to put up Heisman numbers. He did it. 28 out of 33, 276 yards, three touchdowns, one INT. Shadur, 23 out of 33, 159 yards and a touchdown. You think he's still a Heisman contender? Most definitely. Okay. Well, he'll have a chance to go against the reigning Heisman, Caleb Williams, this week. This will
4: really uh, show if he is a legit contender because when you're put right up there, going across the guy who just won it. That's when we'll really know. But look, when we come back, we'll play that audio that got those Oregon Ducks so fired up. We'll hear what Dion had to say. We'll talk a little NFL all on a Monday edition of The Final Drive.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The Final Drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious. How about that? With Corey Labonte and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable.
1: Welcome to hour number two of the Final Drive. Corey Labonte along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Let It Marinate On It Monday. And there's a lot to marinate on, whether it's college football, NFL football. Don't forget, folks, doubleheader tonight. Monday Night Football, Philly traveling to Tampa Bay. The Rams traveling to Cincy. And in the NFL yesterday, my Miami Dolphins, everybody who's been talking all that trash about Tua sucks. Tua never will be a great quarterback. Tua will never be an elite quarterback. Tua this, Tua that, just trash and Tua. Yeah, okay. Tua said he's not worried about the haters. He's going to score 70 points in an NFL football game, folks, and beat you to sleep. Now, Tua has stayed healthy and upright, and the O-line has protected him. They did so through the first four games last year, too. But when Tua is protected, there's no doubt that he is a Pro Bowl-type quarterback. You can talk about... His accuracy, you can talk about he has a noodle arm. You can say whatever you want to about Tua and the Miami Dolphins. But at the end of the day, you hang 70 in the NFL on somebody, you're, you're a contender and not a pretender. That's right. And look, I know that you're all
4: happy-go-lucky because finally Alabama doesn't look like an embarrassment and your Dolphins are looking good. And it was a rough weekend for me, for my Falcons. They did not look that good. They were facing the Detroit <coughs> Root Lions. And, man, this guy, Stephen Root, who we all know and love, might I add, <laughs> just had to come by the day after <laughs> to rub salt
5: in my open, <laughs> bleeding wound. What's up, Root? Yeah, it took time away from my busy life to drive over here only Only to see you after your Falcons lost to my Lions. You see, man,
4: I just don't. That's just that's that doesn't make any sense, man.
5: (laughs) I'm a better friend than that. I was I was talking to I was helping you out through the game, (laughs) telling you the good things that, you know, you can uh, you can look at the Falcons. They've got some good things going on. I mean, yeah, you're concerned with your quarterback there, rightfully so. We'll see if that is the man for the Falcons. But how about my Lions? How about them? Hey, they they turned Jared it around. Jared Golf getting it done. He's sharp. He is really I, sharp. Hey look,
1: Jameer Gibbs versus Bijan. Your, your guy across the glass says <laughs> Bijan's the top five back in the league. He is. and now all of a sudden Jameer Gibbs. Uh, what does that make Jameer Gibbs?
4: Jameer Gibbs can be top twenty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look. Let's be honest. Yeah. Did Bijan have a great game? No. But I think that was in the scheming. We threw it so much. We ran play action so much. <laughs> But when you watch Bijan hold the ball, I mean, Root, you can vouch for me on this, right? He's on your fantasy team, isn't he?
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can keep telling yourself whatever it is you need to tell yourself about Colorado, about your Falcons. Um, you you know you really need true. to find some man. patience in your life. Learn how to pump the brakes a little bit. Nah, observe, sit back, be quiet, observe. I
4: li- man, I live life in the fast lane, brother. Yeah. I'm going right around you. That's how you
5: crash. You did, yeah, yeah, you, right, did you get
1: a ticket this weekend, brother? Yeah, <laughs> <Did> you, <laughs> you <laughs> got a ticket this weekend in that fast <laughs> lane. And, and Ruth, yeah. y- your guys easily could be three and zero. Oh. They're two and one. The Detroit Lions. They 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 blew one. They to come in and open up the NFL season in dramatic fashion, huge win on the road against the Chiefs, and then they falter, and then they come back and show you're kind of like, all right, the Saints fans are calling them the Aints because of their fourth quarter collapse, but Detroit, no collapse there against the Falcons yesterday.
5: And you look at the game they lost to Seattle. I'm giving Seattle a lot of credit. You know, for the team they are. I think they're a really good team. I mean, they're going to be able to score on anybody this year, uh, whether or not they can stop anybody. That'll that'll. Who knows if they can or not? But they're going to be able to score on anybody. So, I mean, you just gotta. I know nobody gives a damn about the Detroit Lions here, but listen, I've waited my whole life. That's right. They they are better today than they've ever been in my thirty years of living. So it's an at least, oh. and I mean. You know, I, w- about I watch Georgia on Saturdays and the Lions on Sundays, and I'm going to be honest. I'm a little more fired up for these Sundays at the moment. You know, <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> I've experienced quite a bit of success with Georgia now, but to have something I've never had in Detroit being anywhere near legit is is a foreign thing to me, and it's been exciting. I mean, who knows? We'll see if they can endure. But
1: let me ask you this: as far as enduring, Derek Carr goes out with a shoulder injury, yep. and the Saints are winning with no problem. But when you give up 18 points in the fourth quarter, that's where you can't blame that on Derek Carr. You, you have to look that square in the face and say the Saints defense had to come away with stops. They were not able to. You can't blame the meat on Jameis Winston because now you're looking at Derek Carr being week to week. And if he's week to week, you might as well go ahead and rest them for a couple of weeks. But those shoulder injuries, man, you're going to constantly take those hits. So go ahead and strike up the backups. The only positive thing happening for the Saints, Alvin Kamara is scheduled to come That's back. right. Well, and look, you know, they play the Packers. The Packers did not
4: show up in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. And then they just were – They didn't show up in the first part of that Saints game, and then they only showed up in the fourth quarter against the Saints. Now, they didn't show on the replay the Derek Carr injury, and coming off that Nick Chubb injury where they were making a big deal about not showing the replay, I was like, oh, God, what really happened to Derek Carr? But it is just week to week, so that's good. But I don't think the Saints are that good. I do think Kamara will help. I just think they're just kind of that middle-of-the-road team. Yep. And I think that the NFC South is full of a lot of middle-of-the-road teams, so there has to be one that's not as in the middle. But I think that the Packers are average. And I think the Saints, without Derek Carr, are, even though I, I'm i not going to say I hate on Derek Carr, but I'm critical of Derek Carr, I think he's better than Jameis Winston. And James Winston did not look very good in the few uh, downs that he played. But, uh, well, Root, you're, you're a Lions guy, so you're familiar with the Packers. What did you think of that game?
5: Yeah, I mean, Jordan Love has had moments here of things you can really be excited about if you're a fan. I mean, who knew what Jordan Love was really going to be and if you believed in him as the future. But he's showing you at least in moments that he is that guy. Um, you know, yeah, the Saints kind of fall apart there. But what I mean, I mean y'all are here. I'm not listening to every single thing every single day anymore. I mean li- y'all are y'all are hearing from the fans every single day. What was the expectation for the Saints? I mean, yeah, they're expecting win the division, to be win the division, yeah.
1: and it doesn't matter. It can be with a, a a one game under 500 record as that division last year. You you could be horrible and win that division too. But I think Derek Carr, when you have him. It was an upgrade from Jameis Winston. So you go out there and you get to a quarterback and you already had a solid defense. The defense, though, that kept you with no points on the board through three quarters. Where did the Saints defense disappear to in the fourth quarter? Because you gave up 18 points in one quarter and it's not like this was consistent, all right, they scored seven here or seven here. No, they had goose eggs on the yeah. board. And see, that's
4: what's like kind of, I guess, maybe alarming if you're a Saints fan. It's the Green Bay Packers. They don't, they're not full of a bunch of offensive weapons like the Detroit Lions are or even the Saints are, really. And so when you lose in that fashion and they make that type of comeback and you can't get a stop, to me, that's kind of a big issue when you can't stop talent that's not elite, elite, right? Am I am I right here?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think that that is reason for concern. But they stopped it for three quarters. So there is no magic sauce that you just all of a sudden swallowed if you're Green Bay and in Lambeau Field to make you magic men in the fourth quarter. It's what the Saints weren't able to do because even – Without Derek Carr, you still should have been able to find a way to hold on to that lead. You still should have been able to find a way to not allow them to have explosive plays at the end of the game and score, get 30-yard chunks on your corners. It's just there's certain things that had to go right for the Saints to secure that win that did not occur. But that is a huge reason for concern for the Saints moving forward. Next week, on a short week for Tampa Bay, because I do believe the Eagles are going to soften up Tampa Bay tonight, and on that short work week, we'll see if the Bucks are who we thought they were with Baker Mayfield. I got the Buccaneers winning
4: tonight, and I think if they prove to me that who they think that I I think they are, then they're going to win eight or nine games this year.
5: Nobody's listening to your picks anymore, buddy. I, I'm What'd sorry. What do you
4: mean? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 look, I said – Alabama would beat Ole Miss. I I turned to the dark side. All right, I said, you know what? They're gonna win, and they won. I said that Texas A&M was gonna beat Auburn by double digits. It happened. All right. <laughs> uh, Colorado. Root. Let's let's talk about this. We haven't even talked about Dion, right?
5: Are I mean, you a believer? I mean, there are a lot of things I I do believe in, as you know is he going to be able to throw a good recruiting pitch out to any high school player in the country? Absolutely. And, I mean, if you could imagine him at maybe a a bigger school with unlimited resources and recruiting, I mean, he's going to be able to get the attention of high school players for sure. So can he have a a support staff around him to once you get the guys to then be able to, you know, have the right coaches in place and have it turn into wins? You know, yeah, we've gotten to see them – beat teams that are not quite what Oregon is, obviously. But when you've got some skill guys like Travis Hunter and what Shadur has been able to do, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to work if he gets the players. And clearly players want to play for him. Um, But by no means did I think they were about to, after these first few games, did I think that they were going to be able to continue against Oregon and USC. No, I mean, that just was not ever going to be the case. They were going to find reality hitting them in the face at some point um reality reality is that it's not here yet they cannot block anybody their their offensive line is really not good so i mean those are the spots that take time to build yeah you can go out and find you some skill players i mean no travis hunters don't come around ever so often but you can find skill players that can contribute quicker than it is to build an offensive line to build a defensive line that takes time Will he do it? Yeah, he will. I do believe that because he's going to get the players. Players will always want to play for him. So, yeah, it'll happen. But to think that after these first few games that it was going to hold up against a a team like Oregon or USC, that's not the case. It takes time to do these things.
4: Well, look, the USC game's coming up, so we still don't know quite yet for sure, right? They say your faith needs to be the size of a mustard seed, right? Can I get at least a mustard seed out of y'all? But look. No. (laughs) You say everyone, all the high school guys want to play for Deion Sanders. Every coach wants to beat Deion Sanders just as bad, if not more. And the Oregon coach, Dan Dan Lanning, Lanning, the clip, they released the clip of him getting his guys fired up for this game. And I'm not going to lie. I might believe in this guy a little bit now, too. Let's hear what he had to say.
0: Rooted in substance,
4: not flash, rooted in
3: substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment, the Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting
0: for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right?
1: This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood. It's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go. Well, Effect. I will say this about the clicks this year. Deion Sanders and the buffs are playing for the clicks nah, period. Nah, they man. are playing for the clip. Come on. He has to. The clicks are going to come no matter no, what. They ain't no, playing for and they no, there no brother, matter what. Listen to me. It is the Deion effect. But Deion Sanders, Jackson state's clicks went through the roof. Colorado's clicks went through the roof. But once again, you look at being able to go ahead. Dion had a reply. He had a reply for what Coach Dan Landing had to say, and that's what I love. Dion—he's always going to fire back. Remember, Dion keeps receipts. That's right.
8: <laughs> uh, it translates in practice. It is—I don't say stuff just to say it for a click, you know, contrary to what some may say. But uh, yeah, I, get, I keep receipts. Uh, but I'm serious. I analyze and I understand what we're up against and what we have and what we need. One thing that I could say, honestly and candidly, you better get me right now. This is the worst we're gonna be. You better get me right now. So you did hear what said. Now somebody, yeah, I, I got messengers. God bless him, though, man. He's a great coach. He did a great job. God bless him. He take their shots. They won. I don't shoot.
5: I don't do that. They won. Don't th- if uh, you, you don't, sh- don't think that Dion's not going to try to exploit every possible moment to get coverage to get people talking about him and his team, yeah, he's going to do that every what time. Mean, what? If you are going to say okay, then he's playing for clicks. I mean, he just uh, said he isn't playing for clicks. Okay, so you're just going to hear that and just believe it? No, I mean, li- listen. Everything he does Look, is to have attention toward turn towards him. What would you? So you
4: would have responded differently than Dion in this situation?
1: Yeah, let me tell you this. I will say this. A couple of weeks ago. I thought he handled that well. A a couple of weeks ago. How did he handle the fact that a team came in and stomped on their logo? And what did his players go out there and do? They're stomping on the Oregon O at midfield. They're dragging their cleats across it. And Deion had plenty to say when another team was stomping on that Buffalo. Sure. But now you go and your own players who keep the I'm sure DMs the instruct them to do that. Let me tell you something. He's got that Afflat commercial. His ass still quacking like a duck <laughs> after that kicking he took. Look. Huh? It, it, tell he me if I'm wrong. I just don't know how we can
4: be
5: critical of his response there. I don't think any other I That's a I perfect don't think anybody's response. wrong. I don't think he's wrong. I. I don't think anybody's wrong here. Yeah, anytime he's in front of the camera, anytime he has an opportunity to get people talking about his program, he is selling his program. That is what he has to do all the time. That is kind of his job in a lot of ways. So, you know, yeah, he's going to come out here and say this. I do, after they did get beat the way they did, he stayed in there and answered every possible question. He did not be in a He was not in a rush to get up from, from the media and walk away from that. No, he handled it perfectly. And he is absolutely right. This is the worst they're going to be because, you know, he's he's building something, but it is going to take time. I don't think anybody's wrong here. I don't think Dan Landing's wrong. I don't think anybody's wrong.
4: Now, do you think that he's saying this is the worst we're going to be, meaning I just got here, this is our first year as a team, as a collective, this is the worst we're going to be? Or do you think he was specifying, That singular week against Oregon and the way they played against that team, this is the worst we're going to be, meaning they would hopefully be much more improved
5: this week playing USC. No, he's not talking week to week. He's talking. He just got there. We're building this. Things do not happen in a year. So that's what he was talking about. And he he would not come out and say, you know, things are going to be vastly improved during this USC game. He would be not, it would be foolish for him to come out and say anything like that because there's a, a great chance the same thing's about to happen again. But he is right, definitely, as far as building the program, it is a, a year-to-year thing, and it's the beginning. So got,
4: got a couple different perspectives here in the app. This guy says, Dion says, I keep receipts. That receipt says, they just whipped your ass. Arrogance is bliss. It is. Then we got another guy. The clicks just followed Dion. That doesn't mean that he's playing for clicks. Exactly. Thank you. Next guy. Nick is a sheep. (laughs) (laughs) He believes fortune cookies. Soon as ESPN quits talking about Dion, Nick will be done believing. See, that's where you're wrong. Faith is something that Come on, people. If you believe, you believe. I uh, believe in the big picture. I believe Dion's going to be in the playoffs next you year. Can believe I big believe picture? they're going to be in a bowl game
1: this year. I believe. You, you can continue to believe. Kudos to winning three games. But Arizona State will be their next opportunity to win a game. And if they play anything like they did against USC this week, Dion is going to have a lot longer three weeks than he would love to have. I will say that. And I know this, that when you sit there and you keep receipts, you hear what people are saying, what goes around does come around. But I know that the Colorado Buffaloes, they're not ready for the big show this year. And they took America by storm, 3-0, and now you're running against quality competition. Corey, they – you can't say they weren't ready for the big show. They created the big show. No, they are still, their own. It doesn't own big mean you're show. ready for the big show. Just because Dion, Dion, the only person who was ready for the big show, because no one else had been on that stage of the big show yet. No one on Colorado's roster had been on the big show stage. And when Dion arrives, he brings his son. His sons were ready for the big stage. Travis Hunter was ready for the big stage and is ready for the big stage. It just so happens that he followed Dion to Jackson State, and that doesn't mean that they still had been exposed to the big show because there's a huge difference between Pac-12 football and what you see in playing for Jackson State. And I will say this, money makers for HBCUs, how often do you see HBCUs upset power fives? It just doesn't happen. Right. So just because his sons and Travis Hunter, the number one player in the country, followed him to Jackson State doesn't mean that they weren't ready for the big stage. They just had never been on the big stage because there's a huge difference between 100,000 and when you're looking at close to thirty-five to 40,000. That's right. I mean, I think in, like, a lot of
4: ways, Dion is so larger than life. He's such an entity of himself. He's always going to have a giant target on his back. Therefore, it's putting the target on everyone's back that's wearing a Colorado jersey. So, in that regard, I did... And I think who uh, Barrett Salee earlier, he said this is like a recruiting tool for the other teams now. Everyone knows everyone's watching Colorado, so the Oregon coach has got to go out there and kill Dion and Colorado to hopefully sway whatever recruits yeah. Dion is swaying from him. And I'm sure USC will have the same type mindset. Um It's going to be a great mindset here on Saturday. But my belief doesn't waver, though.
5: I mean, find me more than two or three more wins on that schedule. That's all I'm saying. They're not there. Are you
4: being serious? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Are you? They're winning
1: six games, at least, minimum, bare minimum. Uh, Three uh, more in the pac Read that schedule Three more in the Pac-12 for the Colorado Buffaloes. I tell you what, when we come back from this break, we'll, we'll, we'll show you where Colorado's wins and losses will come for the remaining of the schedule and we'll see if your belief bowl Buffaloes can get it done. Now, again, we still have to touch on the fact in the NFL, there was a pretty special guest in Kansas City yesterday, one that a lot of people didn't see or expect to see. And Bill Belichick, if you can get Bill Belichick to chime in He's about. A big, big fan kelsey and swift yeah you're doing something right the final drive on wnsp 105.5 corral bounty along with nick wiggins Stephen root also in the building today we'll be right back
8: This is Jake Coker, quarterback at Alabama. And I'm listening to the radio, I'm
4: listening to WNSB. Welcome back to the final drive. And if you don't have any plans this Saturday, and even if you do, you need to cancel them because we've got some better ones for you. You got to come out to the Stables Bar downtown and watch Alabama versus Mississippi State. We'll be giving away an Alabama jersey courtesy of the Vault. At halftime, you can walk away with a free WNSP t-shirt. During the game, they got some crazy drink specials. $3 Sweetwater Lager, $2.50 Miller Lights, $3 Bama Shots. Come on, man. That probably got got you wanting to hop back on the wagon, am I right? Those are some good deals, huh?
1: (laughs) Well, the deals that Colorado are going to make for the remainder of their schedule USC Colorado, Nick, you told me earlier that's a loss for yeah, the Buffaloes. I'll, I'll All right? Sure. Arizona State is one and three. That's a dub. Okay. Stanford is currently one and three. Dub. So that's two. That's going to put you at five. Yep. So you're saying they're going to get six. Okay. Colorado, UCLA. UCLA is currently three and one. That'll be a tough matchup,
4: fun matchup. But I know you guys are being very critical, so we'll say that that could be an L. Okay. Oregon State at Colorado. Oregon State currently 3-1. and one. Right. Currently ranked in the top 25. I think that's going to be a tough, great game that Colorado can win. But since we're being overly critical and cynical, we'll say a loss. Okay.
5: Realistic is all we're being.
1: Three and one. Whatever word you want to call it. Arizona. Arizona's three and one. The Wildcats, three and one.
4: Colorado is going to win one of these three games minimum. Arizona, Oregon State, or UCLA.
1: Okay. So let's give them that one then. That's since six. We took so, it so now you're getting them. We'll, we'll just give you Arizona. That's six wins for you. Now Colorado at Washington State. Top 25 Washington State team that's undefeated at 4-0. and Look, and then they got Utah right
4: after. Yeah, they're, they're gonna <laughs> win one of those games. No, they're done. So they're just gonna lose to every top twenty-five team they play from yes. here on out. TCU is just the one random one that they beat.
1: Where's TCU now? Not in the top twenty-five. Oh, okay. So you're telling me you not think all one-off. those,
4: all these Pac-12 teams, this conference that couldn't even uh get their tv deal and be a conference they're going out with a bang
1: bro they're going out with a bang they're all going to be ranked except for Dion's team i'm not going to say all but Dion, just like he found his way into the top 25 he's going to find his
5: way out of the top 25 which look if he wins six games that is far better than what they were supposed to do i mean that is overachieving in year one you take it and you move on and you like what they're building they'll get to seven
4: all right, so. They'll squeak out another one. i
5: you bet you anything that does not happen. What would you want to bet me? <laughs> we'll figure it out off air, but there's no way. <laughs> I mean, you've got to, you've got to be real well, and look at who they got to play. I it's not going to happen.
4: And you know who is real? Deion. You want to know why I believe in Dion so much? It's not even just what's on the field. Look, this is Travis Hunter texted Deion Sanders after that game, after he, they lost Oregon. He wants to play. He said, I need to play this week. He's I'm not dog. taking no for an answer. He's a dog. But and you, you know what Dion said? He said, your future is brighter than mine ever was. Yep. Relax and get healthy. That's what he's got to love do. you. That's what he's got to do. Come on. He's got
1: to stay Come healthy. on.
4: How do you not believe in that? No, nah, bro.
5: So you're going to say that turns into wins? I mean, love. yeah. You can love all love that. Love conquers all. <laughs> you can love all that.
1: Well, well, that ain't happening for Colorado. Now, when you when you look at Dion and all his hype, yes, they got humbled, and they'll be humbled next week. We will talk a little bit about the NFL doubleheader this tonight. Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Philadelphia flying high 2 and 0, Tampa Bay surprisingly 2 and 0. The Rams and the Bengals come on a little bit after that and when you do look at the Bengals, they signed AJ McCarron. Yeah, and let's go. I I I'm ready for AJ. He look had a phenomenal XFL season and he all he could ask for is an opportunity. Not to say, we don't know how long Joe Burrow is going to be out, but if the Bengals drop to 0-3, then you're starting to look at some serious ramifications as far as, yeah, he's got the bag, but do you want to shut him down and go ahead and play? So, tonight, Philly and Tampa Bay. Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield. Who Tampa do you Bay like? is going to win this
4: game. I have not <laughs> been impressed by the Philadelphia Eagles. They didn't look good against the New England Patriots, who are not a good football team. They almost lost to the Minnesota Vikings. I think Jalen Hurts looks like he's slow when he's running. Um, I think their defense isn't getting any stops. Their secondary isn't making any stops. It looks like anyone can throw for 300 yards on them. And when you're going against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Baker Mayfield, I mean, at home they've looked good up to this point. I think that the Buccaneers are going to get them. And I think that – I don't necessarily think that rules the Eagles out the rest of the year, but I think that they need to take a tough L to maybe, you know, lock in and get right. So I got that. And then Bengals-Rams, I got the Rams winning that game. I think the Rams are um, sneakily pretty good.
5: Puka Nakua, yeah. how many catches? <laughs> it, it, they're saying he, he's, he's – uh, is he healthy? Yeah, he was a, a he's questionable. Okay. I haven't seen anything, you know, in the last couple hours or not. But uh, what a find for them! You uh, know, you're, f- you're not crazy with your Buccaneers talk. I mean, Philly only favored by five and a half here mm-hmm. for a reason. I mean, the Buccaneers, which I'm sure a lot of people, maybe myself included, thought they'd be fighting for that spot as worst team in the league. But Baker Mayfield had other ideas, man. They've still got players. Mike Evans has still been great. So I mean, Rashad White at running back. They've definitely got players, and they're they're pretty tough. You're right about the Eagles; they've still got a lot to figure out. Um, so, you know, you're you're not crazy with this pick. I'll give them, give you that one.
1: What what's the situation in Cincinnati with their receivers? I mean, T. Yeah. Higgins leads them in receiving yards. I know Burrow had that first game to where he only threw for eighty three yards, but I mean, when you have the, the the potent wide receivers that the Bengals have, there's no way that you should definitely be 0-2, whether Burrow is hurt or healthy or oh, not.
4: I know you say that, but look at the Minnesota Vikings. They have the best wide receiver in football.
1: They're 0-3 right now. But do they have something on the other side of that football? We're talking about the Bengals being a Super Bowl contender. I don't, I don't know too many people who raised their hands and said the Minnesota Vikings were going to be Super Bowl contenders this year.
4: Yeah. No, I mean, it just didn't I, happen. The Bengals have legitimate questions at the offensive line. It doesn't matter how many good skill guys you got. If you can't block for Joe Burrow to throw that ball or to give Joe Mixon a gap to run through,
1: you're always going to have issues and struggle. Well, well let's look at this. this. This past Sunday, yesterday in the NFL, was one that was a shocking Sunday because raise your hand if you had the Colts beating Baltimore with Minshew starting at quarterback. Yeah, no, that was crazy. And you finally get your money's worth out of Deshaun Watson and the Titans struggling the way that they are, only being able to score three points. Yeah, the Browns might have the best defense in football. Let's look at Buffalo. The Commanders come in undefeated, and finally Josh Allen decides to wake up this offense, and they beat the Commanders to sleep 37-0 to three yeah that that's something not a lot of people saw and here's the biggest shocker look i'm not a huge cowboys fan in regards to i'm a dolphins fan but the america's team moniker you you had people throwing their flat screen televisions off their balconies yesterday and (laughs) they're lucky i didn't have a balcony Corey. it's it's unbelievable the way that the cowboys came and were so inept in what they were able to accomplish against an arizona team that had just lost to the giants which the cowboys beat 40 to 0 now digs being hurt is a difference maker for the cowboys i'm not going to make that excuse i'm just saying it's a a difference maker it should not be the difference maker into only scoring 16 points against arizona that was one of those uh
4: games where you just went in very confident you came off a good win last week and you thought you were gonna just breeze through it they pulled a south alabama central michigan yesterday they just they they slept walked through it and then you kind of realize, oh, crap, this actually is NFL caliber talent that we're going against. We can't just turn it on and get right back in it. At least, I mean, there's some teams I think that can do that. I think the Chiefs are a team that can, you can never count Mahomes out. He can always just turn it on and close a 14-point gap. Not against in Detroit.
1: <laughs> Couldn't do it <laughs> to open up the NFL season. I guess
4: I set him up for that one.
1: Yeah, you did. I mean, KC looked dominant against the Bears who ultimately are having problems. But when you hear yesterday, you knew Mahomes was going to have to throw a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey because he had a special guest sitting in the suites upstairs chopping it up with Kelsey's mom. And she had been seen yelling, Let's freaking go uh-huh. for her man and the Chiefs. And this is one of the it's the new power couple in not only in the NFL, but in Hollywood in general. And Mahomes and Andy Reid wanted to chime in about Taylor Swift taking over.
7: She's a tremendous, I mean, she's a pop star. She's a tremendous singer, tremendous at everything she does. And I haven't got to meet her, um, but I mean, I guess if if she ends up being with Travis, then I'll probably get to meet her at some point. So it seems like a good, seems like a good person. So uh, hopefully I get to meet her one day. You know what? I've met her before.
6: (laughs) Adam, I set him up. I just leave you with it.
7: Yeah, but he he told, he told me at like the last minute, but there's some things with Travis where he kind of just says it and you're like, you don't know if it's true or not. Uh, He says it so calmly. Um I mean I remember one time he was like, Hey, I'm gonna go to the uh, world, one of the world Series or one of the playoff baseball games. I'm like, you said it so randomly, and then he just went and I was just like, But the same thing it was like Friday he was just like, uh yeah, I think I think she's coming to the game today and then just moved about his business- i mean to the game this weekend and then moved about his business, so you're kind of like it's, I guess it's i guess that just happens I guess so uh, I don't know It's just travis yeah I mean,
5: it's just Travis. Somebody, che- somebody check on poor, poor Brittany Mahomes. She is not the center <laughs> of attention, and I'm sure she is not doing well.
4: Yeah, <laughs> she's been demoted to number two blonde uh, plus one mm. of
1: star A- And player. I mean, <laughs> when, when you can get Bill Belichick to say, look, Travis Kelsey has had some phenomenal catches in his career, <laughs> but this is his all-time greatest catch that's coming from Bill Belichick when asked about Taylor Swift, because he's a Swifty. He Look, loves Taylor Swift. We gotta be, we have to be concerned, though. Look at Taylor Swift's track
4: record, the breakups, the drama, and then her weird little cult fan base. They'll just attack them online and demonize them. So. I just hope
5: Travis Kelsey. That's all this is, man. She's working on a new album. She needs some inspiration. Well, <laughs> check on Travis, Travis Kelsey, in a couple months.
4: I hope he knows what he's getting into, and because I'm telling you, it's if if it doesn't work out, the the Swifties, they're stronger than they're Listen. stronger than Oregon against Colorado, hey, man. Hey, I
1: will say this: Beyonce and Jay Z, if they can survive, give give it till the Super Bowl time. If Swift. And Kelsey are still together. They're, they're, they're going to be along together for a while. Oh, wow. All right. There's a prediction. <laughs> <from> they're <laughs> going to be together for a while. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back.
6: Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5, WNSP. More?
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Now, you mentioned the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey and, of course, Taylor Swift. You couldn't avoid it even if you wanted to. And someone in the app says, feel like you're listening to Entertainment Tonight, not a sports show. Well, Entertainment Tonight and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey – It's just it is what it is. It is taking it it is taking the world by storm the same way everybody always waits for the Super Bowl and to see who that halftime performer is going to be. And Usher is named as the Super Bowl halftime performer. He he, resides in Vegas year round performing, and I think that Usher is going to do a fantastic Super Bowl job. Any big songs you're hoping that he pulls out? I just the best of. You know, not necessarily one. I just think that any time you can get a a collaboration in to bring in an additional one or two artists,
2: sure
1: that that's always the great. But Usher is a great performer, and if you know you don't like Usher, you don't like the halftime show. Then by all means, that's when you go ahead and you go get you restock on the beer and the chips and the dip, and you enjoy oh, you that part watch of it.
4: Usher man, and look, hey, but don't. You saw what he was doing with uh, Kiki Palmer, so maybe you don't need to have your wife watching the Usher show because <laughs> she might get caught up. But look, I, I always like that song Climax uh, by Usher. I, I think that's like a deep cut, so I doubt he's going to sing that, but that would be my Someone in the app
1: says, I want to see Usher. I want to see Usher perform Lovers and Friends. That's the one I'm waiting for, for Usher. Um Look, he's got a, a a lot of hits and I think, again, he'll do he'll do a, a great job at the Super Bowl has a lot of number one hits Has crossed over a yeah. couple of decades see, I feel like you gotta be
4: able to dance a little bit to have a good halftime show, that's why Bruno Mars and Beyonce, see that's like one of the more iconic halftime moments, but that was actually Coldplay's uh, halftime show they just came on It's like
1: you know, doing doing the little guest dance off thing, but that's what we all remember. Well, anytime you can sell a hundred million records and you have nine billboard hot one hundred number one singles, you've done something right. And I think the Super Bowl has gotten this one right in letting Usher perform at halftime. The final drive on WNSP one oh five point five will return right after this. Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, always have it tuned into 105.5 WNSP The Sports Station. Back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Doubleheader tonight, Monday night football, Philly at Tampa Bay, the Rams at Cincy, and we were talking about some of the shockers from last night. How about the Sunday night football? Pittsburgh finding a way to beat the Raiders, and you look at Mike Tomlin getting getting it done. Getting it done ugly is how you look at it. Jimmy Garoppolo, he happens to be one of those quarterbacks that you had a concussion, was diagnosed with that after the game. You look at some of the hits he took, he's one of those quarterbacks that you just – you always are wondering about, is he worth the money? Will he stay healthy? Will he hit those incent- incentives? Vegas now one and two moving forward. Now, this week I'm looking forward to seeing how my Miami Dolphins bounce back because, again, people have bashed to a tongue of Viola, and what he's been able not to do as far as stay on the field and just be – concussed all the time, but the Dolphins 70 to 20 winners over the Denver Broncos. That definitely flipped some fantasy outcomes. Seventy to twenty. You you just you you look at being able to make history and Coach didn't even want to make history. He, he he decided, look, I'm just going to show some respect nah, for move. the
4: Broncos. Weak move. Weak Why? move. All Why? those players are out there. You have the ability to do it. For what? You're going to tie the record. Submit, You're not going to beat it. You were going to tie it. your name
1: in history. 70 points is enough. Nah, man. You made your point. Come on, man. <laughs> you made your point. Etch- 70 I points. I etch it in
4: stone, Th- though.
1: They would have had to score one more touchdown because 73 would have tied the record it would afford giving it. them the record no if you tie the tie record, the you record. Have it. no you don't have it you yes, want you it but if you're going to get it nick you you don't want to be code nothing you want to be d man root, the guy root break the tie
4: here if you tie a record do you have the record
5: no i mean speak it what? to yourself a little more slowly break the record they're not breaking <laughs> the record but they're they still tying. Have it, it. Okay, yes, with one other team.
4: If LeBron with the same amount of points as Kareem, who is the all-time leading scorer?
5: LeBron and Kareem. So, therefore, he. But Miami <laughs> is not breaking the record. You know, <laughs> they're not alive. Back. I said you have
1: it. You're not breaking okay. it. Okay, all right. It. He took a knee. A field goal is what he would have scored. I would have kicked it. I would have thrown a Hail Mary. Well, I would say this. Tua's got a few more Hail Marys left in him because the Broncos are on fire right now. Third hour of the final drive coming up here on WNSP 105.5.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The Final Drive. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win! Yeah! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, Unbelievable.
1: Welcome to our number three of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Let It Marinate Monday. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you on our WNSP Sound of Mobile app. If you have not downloaded this app, you need to make sure you do so. It's a free download to any Android or Apple device that you may have so you can correspond with us. You can also call us the old-fashioned way, 251. 694-1055 is how you can reach us here on the final drive always love talking to our next guest zach blackerby and zach blackerby's locked on auburn and does a great job on the locked on network giving us all the auburn tigers coverage zach welcome to the final drive and i tell you today has been one of those days if you're an auburn tiger fan you can't wait for Saturday to get here fast enough again to redeem yourself.
3: I mean, maybe, right? You'll have the opportunity for sure, but the the test only gets tougher as uh, Georgia comes into town. Then you get a bye week, you get a second to kind of get your legs up under you. Oh, and then you've got to go to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers. So, I mean, this is a tough stretch. These four games, A&M, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, this was the toughest stretch of the schedule. You knew it going into the season. And I think a lot of Auburn folks, most Auburn folks, kind of thought there was a chance Auburn could get one against Texas A&M. We talked a week ago. I thought A&M would win. Um, unfortunately, I was right. But I, I think Auburn did admit some of a four-game losing streak, bad to be honest with you. But I still think at the end of the day, Auburn can go 7-5. and five, And I think it needs to be good enough for the Auburn faithful right now.
1: and is definitely a bowl-type situation for Hugh Freeze if you were able to find a way to squeak this one out in the home of the 12th man. And literally, the 12th man being on the field and Jimbo (laughs) Fisher didn't know if he was going to break down as a defensive coordinator and make that tackle or not on that Auburn touchdown. But have you ever seen anything like that? And what if the what-if game Auburn fans really would have been irate had he stepped out of bounds or had the referees stopped it with the inadvertent whistle
3: yeah that would have been bad for sure especially uh especially if Jimbo wouldn't have had any kind of punishment thrown his way but props to Jimbo for just staying put honestly because he could have done the whole you know step back and that would slow Eugene Asante down or maybe push him out of bounds like you said so props to Jimbo for just staying put um and what a great play by Eugene Asante. But, yeah, obviously um, obviously it wasn't enough. But gave Auburn a little bit of life there late in the game.
1: Well, when Max Johnson enters the game for the Texas A and M Aggies and the score being six to three, I felt real comfortable that Auburn was within striking distance and they really had a backup coming in. Even though he's a seasoned backup, transferring from LSU, yeah. you still if he was the number one guy, he would have been the number one guy. And I felt that Auburn's defense was playing well enough to where they were one play away from kind of helping the offense out.
3: Yeah, totally. I thought when Connor Wegman got up a little shaky, he was holding that ankle after Jalen Simpson made good contact with him uh, in the end zone there. I, I thought that was going to be a difference in the game, and it was. It just, failed there now, I thought it would go the other way. But, look, Connor Wegman has been incredible up to that point, and Auburn kind of had his number. And I don't know if – you know, the way they game plan for Wegman didn't apply for, you know, other quarterbacks on a roster. I, I don't know. I don't know their traits well enough to be able to really kind of give a, an educated response on that. But props to him. I mean that's a guy that transferred into a situation thinking he could win the job. Obviously, he didn't. But when his number was called, he stepped up and was able to help his team and, you know, get them that first win in conference play. So props to Max Johnson. There's no question about it. Um, that's kind of the value of having a, a solid backup quarterback, and maybe that will eventually impact, you know, how quarterbacks handle the transfer portal moving forward. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, Jimbo hasn't really given an update for Connor Wegman. So I'm curious to see uh, how long he's out, if he misses any more time or not.
1: Now, from an Auburn standpoint, you wind up losing 27-10, to 10, and that third quarter is really what cost you. You're inept on offense with Peyton Thorne at times and I know that Hugh Freeze has said this and he said it today in his press conference he's taking the blame for it he's he says he's not quite sure who is going to be that surefire starter against the Georgia Bulldogs and that does make it tough anytime you have the number one team in the country coming to your backyard you want to know who you can depend on and I, I personally thought that Peyton Thorne's breakout game would have been on Saturday but he's struggled only throws for 44 yards and what's the answer for auburn at quarterback
3: i don't know and i don't know if it's on the roster i mean so many auburn fans are saying okay you got to take Peyton for an out and it's like okay well <laughs> who are you gonna put in who are you gonna put in there i mean we've seen robbie's inability to throw which is a shame i actually think they handcuffed robbie when they pulled Peyton and put robbie in, in the second half there because it'd be like third and long and it's like okay let's see if robbie can actually you know, implement this part of the playbook, and they put Peyton back in for one play. I mean, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help anybody at all. So I'm curious to see how they continue to handle the quarterbacks, uh, if they do anything different against Georgia. But if I had to guess, Peyton Thorne's your starter against the Georgia Bulldogs. And, look, he was even asked about Holden Gurner, which is who a lot of Auburn fans are saying, like, Holden Gurner can't be any worse. And it's like, well, he can be. He can be. And Hugh Freeze kind of shot down that, uh, at his press conference earlier today, right? He, he was asked about Holden. He's like, yeah, Holden got the ball out, but his throws were inaccurate. Two of them went out of bounds. I think he only threw it four times. So uh, I, I don't know if there is a true, like, ideal answer an ideal situation on this roster. But, look, if you're Hugh Freeze, you know, you, um, you went out and got Peyton Bourne. And to some extent, I think you have to have a longer leash with him than what some Auburn fans may want because the upside and the stability that Peyton Thorne should, in theory, bring this team, you know, is it still there? Is it too late? Have they lost all of that? Um, That's a tough question. Hopefully hopefully they haven't, and hopefully they can find out some kind of way to be consistent with Peyton Thorne. But I don't think Saturday is when they're going to see it. I think it's going to happen the following game, which will be two weeks after Georgia because of Auburn's bye week, I think it happens against LSU. I think that's the next big one on this uh, on this schedule.
1: We're talking to Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn, and the injuries are not something that you want to see here in the first fourth of this season. You look at running back Damari Austin being told today by head coach Hugh Freeze that he's going to be out for a while, and anytime you start – having injuries and depth problems. That's something that you don't want to see in SEC play, especially against the number one team in the country.
3: Yeah, and Auburn's been hurt. I mean, they're, they're pretty banged up across the roster. The running back room has been the one room where they've actually been okay. And, you know, losing to Murray Austin obviously is unfortunate, but at least you have other guys in that running back room. You feel good about Jarquez Hunter. You feel good about Brian Batty. This is why you brought him over from USF. And then you know the the phenom freshman who I think may have more talent than all of these guys when it's all said and done is Jeremiah Cobb. So you know Damari was getting about eight touches or so a game. I think he gives Jarquez another three or four. I think he gives three or four to Brian Batty, and you give the rest to Jeremiah Cobb. I, I think that's okay. Damari was such a leader, though, and, and I'm sure he still will continue to be a vocal guy in the locker room and on the sideline. That's just who Damari Austin is. And I think that's where a lot of his value comes from. I'm sure, he's a spectacular running back, but he's a spectacular teammate as well. So I don't think that part of his, uh, his value is going to go away, but it is unfortunate. I mean, this is a guy who's worked his tail off um, all off season ever since you Freeze arrived, and he's become a really, really good running back. So that stinks. Stinks for him, and it stinks for Robert
1: well we've addressed the quarterback situation for auburn already now uh, a question going in a year ago was the poor offensive line play and here it is against texas a&m on the road you see texas a&m seven total sacks so that's never yeah. a good sign because i thought the offensive line had started to show progression even though the offense struggled with turnovers that not necessarily was attributed to the offensive line but they really struggled against a tough texas a&m defense but probably not the toughest they'll see all year long in regards to giving up seven sacks
3: no, they'll see a tougher one this weekend, right? And then after that, I do think it'll mellow out a little bit. But as far as talent goes, Hugh Freeze talked about it going into it. I mean, Texas a and recruited four and five stars consistently for the last several cycles. And over the course of it, that makes your roster better. And we saw that. We saw the talent disparity there. I do think when you see all of those sacks, you think, oh, my goodness, his offensive line stinks. And sure, for, there has to be a lot of things that go wrong for you to give up seven sacks. I'm not defending anything, but I do think the offensive line is better than the seven sacks that they allowed. I think Peyton uh, held on to the ball too long. I think he double-clutched it and hesitated. Um, I think he second-guessed himself. I think sometimes he would, you know, make the right move with his feet to get a passing lane, and then he just wouldn't deliver the ball. And as soon as you hesitate in that situation, RG3 highlighted it during the game. As soon as you do that, you're going to get sacked. That's exactly what happened. So I don't think that's all on Auburn's offensive line were they perfect no they weren't but when you look at it from that angle and then also when you look at it from the fact that Auburn was able to run the football when they wanted to they just didn't do it as much as I think they should have Um, I think Auburn's offensive line was fine once again Corey I'm not saying they're great or anything I just don't think that's the biggest issue with his offense right now
1: Well, Zach, I will say this, an issue that has not been at hand has been Eugene Asante and the way that he's been playing football and his leadership for this Auburn Tiger program. Now, with Georgia coming to town, they're only 14 and a half favorites this coming week against Auburn, and that's a good sign because you look at... The last couple of weeks for Georgia, they haven't really put the pedal to the metal. They struggled against South Carolina, were down, and had to come back. You look at the struggles they had against UAB this week. So I would say all hope is not lost, especially with this being at Jordan Hare Stadium and the crowd being able, hopefully, to stick around for four quarters of football.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I hope I uh, hope Auburn's in it in the fourth quarter. I really do. I just don't see it. I was shocked at how low that number was, Corey. Uh, I still don't believe it. I'm expecting movement. I, I know Georgia hasn't really lit folks up like they expected them to, but I, I just I think over the course of 60 minutes, I think this Georgia team is going to be able to wear down Auburn because I don't see them being able to score consistently and over the course of the game I just think Auburn's defense is going to get worn down similar to what we saw against Texas A&M so uh, I'm not telling you to bet or to not bet on it but if I was a betting man uh, I would take Georgia to cover
7: Well,
1: this is a situation when you do have the Deep South's oldest rivalry. We've seen some fantastic finishes, some of the best ever in college football. And I know that the Jordan-Hare faithful will be looking to stick around and stay for the entire game regardless of what happens. And one thing that I do love, Zach, about Hugh Freeze is him being – 100% honest and not sugarcoating or hiding behind anything. He faces all the problems and the deficiencies that Auburn does have, and he also addresses the positive things that they're doing well, but he didn't hide a couple of weeks ago when he said, look, we do have Texas A&M. We do have Georgia. We do have LSU, and he wasn't going to count himself out of any of those games, but he was letting the fans know, too, look, be patient with us, and we'll show you here as soon as we get all our components together
3: yeah it's going to take time it's going to take time and so they'll uh they'll certainly be able to figure it out i think over the course of you know this season and next season but um it's it's going to take time Corey. i don't think there's any other way to put it but i think hugh freeze has been in this situation before with other programs and i think he'll uh i think he'll figure it out i think auburn's still got the right guy
1: yeah, I agree that they have found their man, and they found a winner at that. And if you do have to look, I know that Nehemiah Pritchett had a chance to get in and, and play, and that was big time. Anytime he's able to dress out, even though you really only attribute it to one tackle, and D.J. James is is kind of beat up also. But Auburn, if they're able to find a way here, just to sometimes that home crowd, that you're playing in front of can give you that extra boost and that extra juice that you need to get over that hump. And I'm looking forward to enjoying some of this best Deep South's oldest rivalry on Saturday. And, Zach, if you had to predict, you said the line, you're going to see it shifting here as on Monday it's at 14 and a half. If you're looking for the end game for Auburn out of this coming into a bye week before they hit LSU, what do you think the score is going to be?
2: Oh,
3: um, man. 35-13.
1: Okay. 35-13. And look, again, 14.5 is the line. And I picked Auburn to beat Texas A&M. I really felt, again, I felt good at halftime, 6-3, to three, and Auburn's shown what it has. It's just got to find a way to put four quarters together. Weren't able to do that on the road, but it's a different environment when you're in front of all those fanatical Auburn fans at Jordan Harris Stadium and the fantastic environment that is there. So we'll see how Auburn does respond to the toughest part of its schedule coming out when you do have the number one team in the country coming in to Jaron Harris Stadium on Saturday. Zach, how can everyone follow all of your tremendous coverage of the Auburn Tigers?
3: Yeah, you can check out Locked on Auburn wherever you get your podcast uh, and on YouTube. And you can also check out all of our written work at auburndaily.com.
1: Zach Blackerby joining us here on the final drive. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, brother.
6: Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio.
1: The final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, and it's a marinade Monday. Plenty to marinate on for Auburn, Alabama, especially Notre Dame. And I know that Lou Holtz, he had a lot to say on Friday about being a little biased toward the Irish, but that in turn led to ohio state's head coach ryan day having something to say behind what lou holt's statements were on friday so back and forth with these two guys
8: you were fairly emotional coming off that field
0: yeah. um, what was what were you feeling at that
8: moment well I, i've been emotional uh the team will
5: tell you that for the last couple days when i started hearing some of the things that were saying yeah. first off it's not true I don't know where people get off just saying things. It really upsets me. Put the film on. People make comments,
8: and they don't watch film. Our guys are tough. They're physical. They do. They get after it. And
4: they did it again tonight. And, and you said and that was Coach Holmes? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah, it was. Front row. Tim May on three. And I, don't, I don't know where he gets yeah. off saying those type of things. I don't. I don't. I mean, like, I have some other things I'd like to say, too, but I'm not going to say that because I'm more
1: respectful than he is. Says he's a little bit more respectful mm. than the older Lou Holtz. He, and he used his platform to go ahead and express those frustrations. But how can you – Barrett Salee talked about it in our first hour. If you're the head coach at Notre Dame, make those comments about you will win and you will learn. And having the ability to learn there, I know we have a caller – on the line caller good evening and welcome to the final drive
8: hey cory what's up man hey nick yes you and dion need to get each other on speed out, brother
4: <laughs> i wish
8: i mean i'm about no, no, my bad my, i misspoke sean payton and dion need to get each other on speed now because they both told her like, they what this weekend
4: i don't know what you tell me
8: Oh, come on, dude. They got that little booty staked all the way to the woodshed. No, uh, Oregon no. could have put 80 on
4: them. Nah, man. They didn't, though. Steps well, to success, brother. Steps to success, man. This is the worst they're ever going to be. This is the worst they're ever going to be. Really? Yeah.
8: Okay. Well, how was this the worst they're ever going to be? Dion will have never, a, mark my words, be the best player of the nation. Dion hey, know will never play. get beat. You, sh- you got to hands pick all 85 players. It was like free agency. and But, hey, man, this isn't the deal. If you're going to talk like the man, you got to be able to be the man when it's time to be the man. And guess who wasn't the man when it was time to be the man this
4: weekend? You can't Prime. Look, Prime time. Prime, Prime time. You can't win them all, man. You can't win them all. They hey, man, Deion you know, you know, will Deion Sanders. It even ever. carried over to the Cowgirls. The curse even carried over for his Cowgirls this weekend. It was a that rough happened, weekend. You, just, you just had a bad weekend all the way around. It, was a, it wasn't <laughs> the best weekend. I think it's because I picked Alabama to beat Ole Miss, and that somehow flipped my good juju around. You didn't miss with that juju? I the dark side of the force. I think that messed me up. No bad juju here. Man,
8: I I don't know. I don't. Some happened, man. I, I I'll have to give him that one. I I don't I don't know what game Lane Kiffin showed up to coach at, but man, he just left his mind in the
1: locker room. In the second half, I I, I was I was I was pleased with Lane Kiffin's call play calling ability <laughs> it, 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 you know if you're an Alabama fan you're you're saying thank you Lane and and, and Lane he, he rightfully apologized to all the Ole Miss fans on yesterday and he said look I just I didn't get it done and I had a chance and and we didn't do it on to the next one
8: hey but I'll tell you
1: this if it is Rob calling that game he called a hell of a game hey look Kevin Steele is definitely the man and we're moving forward to try to be two and zero this week a tough Mississippi State team We'll find out for sure and and you're absolutely right about the Broncos and the dolphins that a historic was crazy. a historic game uh and nobody could have ever thought seventy points would have been scored and and those who do know i mean know that i'm a dolphins fan so to sit there and see us score 70 i'm like man you can you can save probably about 30 of those for a couple of weeks from now for sure and and they were
4: asking sean payton about that game and the post game presser and sean payton was a little frustrated
5: i know that said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm more. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 70 What's the question? I mean, What's the question? Feel about it I just finished telling
1: historically
5: you. Embarrassing?
1: Next question. <laughs> What's the question?
4: Next question. I mean, By Sean he, Payton. I mean, I do get it because I, I saw the longer version of that. And right before that question, he says, Basically addresses the game, how embarrassing it was, and all that. He and then the, the end of the day. And then the guy who asked the question goes, "So, very embarrassing, big blowout game." He's like,
1: "Yeah, yeah, I just said that. What is your question?" Nah, no, his frustration <laughs> definitely and rightfully so. When you when you get a 70 piece hung on you in NFL football. I mean the third most highest scored points ever the records go on and on over seven hundred yards of total offense. You have five touchdowns rushing, five touchdowns passing that that that's not something that you'll see every day and then the ability for the Broncos having Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson worth hit the money that the Broncos are paying him because that's definitely not we were bashing. As far as Deshaun Watson and what he has not been able to do, Joe Burrow, he's on the field tonight trying to warm up. He hasn't done anything since he's received his bag yet. So, I do think that you are in a situation to where if you're the Broncos, you feel a lot of frustration. Only 3 Where do you go from here? Is this Russell Wilson? Is this Sean Payton? Because let's
4: not forget Sean Payton was calling Nathaniel Hackett, what do he say, the worst coaching job in NFL history? Yeah. And now here he is, 0-3, and you're getting smacked seventy to twenty. Is that on Russell Wilson? I think that defense is
1: horrible. I mean Denver and Chicago. You're looking at Denver next week, 0 3. Chicago, 0 3. Both teams have problems. That
4: might be the funnest game of the week. Just because they're so bad. Like it'll either be there's gonna be
1: chaos in that game. It'll start early. Twelve o'clock kickoff. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Bears and Broncos, somebody's going to win their first one. The final drive. It could tie. No, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to (laughs) happen. We're not even going to say that. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back.
8: This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNSP 105.5.
1: final drive on WNSP 105.5 it's a marinade Monday edition and if you are an Alabama fan are you happy with Jalen Milrow especially after he threw that first interception I think that he's a ride or die type quarterback for Nick Saban he's the best that Alabama has right now so moving forward in Mississippi State I think that Miro is going to continue to grow and develop, and I think wide receivers are going to show up and make a difference for him. Jalen Miro today, he had some things to say on what he learned from Bryce Young and the expectations of getting ready to play Mississippi State, but not a bad person to learn from in Bryce Young.
4: Last time you guys were at uh, Mississippi State, you were behind Bryce in that
5: environment with the Cowbells and everything. How helpful was that? I know you speak very highly of Bryce. How helpful was that that you were at that game watching how he did it and it was an impressive win that night for Alabama? Right. So Bryce did a lot of good things for us um, while he was there at quarterback. And the one thing that I truly uh, admired while he was here was how poised he was and confident he was no matter the circumstance, whether it's a home game, away game, um, he's always confident, you know, and his, his, his leadership was key. You know, Bryce, leadership, Bryce had great leadership while he was here. And for me, um, outside looking, looking in, um, that's some things that is going to allow us to grow as an offense, allow us to succeed, um, whether it's a away game, a home game. Um, I think leadership is key. And then also just um, acknowledging what's at hand, you know, uh, especially going on the road or a tough environment um, with the kettlebell that you mentioned. Um, I think that's key. Uh, I think that's key to allow us to grow and, and, and uh, you know, get us to succeed on that weekend.
1: Bryce Young learning, or Jalen Miro learning from Bryce Young, and that's just well stated. And Miro, like I said, only his fourth career start is going to continue to develop. Now, people a couple of weeks ago were panicking and thinking that Alabama has more problems at quarterback than Auburn does. But Auburn, when you look Alabama was only up or trailing 7-6 at halftime. Auburn only trailing 6-3 to three against Texas A&M. But the difference is, Milrow, he answered the call in the second half. Peyton Thorne did not. So that's ultimately where Auburn is going to have to find a way to grow against the Georgia Bulldogs. Only 14-and-a-half-point underdogs are the Auburn Tigers, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this game is going to be in a juiced-up Jordan-Hare Stadium. But, Nick, the problems at quarterback for Alabama and Auburn going into this season, Alabama may have found their answer. Auburn may still be searching.
4: Yeah, and I don't know how much they're going to learn and be able to – open up their offense against a team like georgia if if there were a team it would have been texas a&m and they didn't do it there even though it is you know home field the crowd's going to be rocking but i think there's going to be a difference between that crowd and like alabama's old miss crowd for that game that team knew we got to beat this guy we just lost to Texas. The crowd was hyped. They were. They thought, you know, we need to bring some energy. Maybe that we didn't bring in the Texas game. And I know they definitely did. And so the vibes, it's expecting to win versus at Auburn. It's hoping to look good and expecting to lose. And I think the audience and the fans are going to know that. I think that Georgia's gonna win by three touchdowns. It, I haven't that's been that's good. Im-
1: that's fair. fair. Twenty one points
4: is fair. I just haven't been impressed by anything Auburn has done offensively. You know, Nothing I don't at think, all.
1: I don't think really Auburn fans have been. They've been more pleased with the defensive side of the football. And I know that you you just have to find some something that your quarterbacks feel comfortable in. And Alabama knows they opened up the game with what Milrow was comfortable in. I thought the game was called a lot better to cater to the strengths besides the the first and goal from the one-yard line to where you wind up not getting the six points that you needed there in that situation. And I think that that won't happen again. But at no point in time is Auburn lining up only ten players on the field the way Notre Dame did in this situation against a nationally ranked Ohio State. And their head coach, Marcus Freeman, he explained why he only had 10 players on the field.
5: The film shows that on that last play, there were only ten people on the field. Just curious, what happened? Yeah, we were trying to get a fourth D lineman on the field, and I told him just stay off because we can't we can't afford a penalty. I didn't have any timeouts, right? So we couldn't afford a penalty there. Um, you know, and yeah, it's it's all us. It's we got to be better. Before that. When the game comes down to that last play like that, what's the message to the team in the huddle and just to, before they get out on the field? Freaking windy interval. That's all I said. Uh, so I said, you know, it was really two plays. We caught a timeout on third down, right? And so there's two plays um, really to be prepared for in that situation. And so, you know, it went through an incomplete pass, had three seconds left, and we couldn't get a timeout, right? We were out of timeouts. You can't really, crowd's allowed. You can't relay a message. And so, you know, I told them we're probably going to run the same call twice. And uh, That's what we end up
1: doing. The crowd is loud. We're probably not going to be able to get into play. That's coming from the head coach at Notre Dame. And so he didn't want to take the penalty.
4: Would the penalty have given them an automatic first
1: down? No, they're right at the goal line anyway. So what you do is, again, you see it all the time. A player goes down, fakes a cramp, or falls down to an injury. You have to acknowledge that. The referees are going to allow the stoppage of clock there. There's no time that has but to be if run off. you can't get the message to the guy to do that. Because they didn't have the signal. He admitted to that today that you win or you learn. And he admitted today that they have no signal for someone to fake an injury. They yeah. don't have that until now. So he learned that moving forward, they will have a signal to where you have to fake an injury. But that's something that is so very unfortunate to happen to a team like notre well, dame in this game because to have 10 on the field if they would have won that game they're probably in the playoff
4: like because they their have
1: chances a, are a whole heck they of have a, lot a really
4: better. weak schedule and ohio state was like really their one big game one of their one big games well now nick they look only good that. against them like defensively like notre dame l- is still a good college football team i think they learned the lesson from that blunder there at the end For the years to come, I think they're going to be able to get it together.
1: It's more than a blunder coming from Marcus Freeman. That cannot happen. Barrett Salee talked about that earlier in our 3 o'clock hour. That just cannot happen. And next week, they get a chance to take on our guy, Riley Leonard. And Riley is, and has already thrown for 778 yards this season, two touchdowns, no interception, has rushed for 238 yards and four touchdowns. So, Game day is going to be at Duke versus Notre Dame. So the second consecutive week, one at home, and then the other one on the road to where ESPN is going to know plenty about Notre Dame. Is that really – I guess I'm not going to say fair. Is there not any better game out there? I I think there are better games, but give Duke their props. Give Duke their flowers while Riley Leonard is still hot and give them an opportunity to experience that. You see it in basketball all the time, the Cameron Crazies. You saw them storm the field after Duke defeats Clemson. So I know that Riley Leonard, he'll be the focus of a lot of great stories on ESPN this weekend. And that's anytime you get a chance to see our local folks do well, that's exactly what you want to see. But no, as far as college football is concerned too, though, Nick, you see the disappointment of Notre Dame. Who's more disappointed, Notre Dame or South Alabama at this point in time? Um, I'm going to say the Jaguars. Why? Yeah. Because they're coming off a huge win. The a program shifting One of the win. best
4: wins, and then you l- drop that game. That's what I'm saying, like. I guess, yeah, it would have to be South Alabama because Ole Miss, like you're playing a top, a playoff contending team and you barely lose on a blunder on the final play. That South Alabama game was something different. I don't know. This South Alabama team, man, they got me all over the place. Like, I was like, man, they really struggled that first half against Southeast Louisiana. Two and two. Then they looked amazing against Oklahoma City. You're like, oh, they figured it out. Here we go. And then they drop that game at homecoming. It's just they're just very up and down, very hot and cold. And hopefully they can kind of even out that temp soon.
1: And, and that's their goals are still in front of them. that's the great thing. Again, we talked about their Notre Dame's head coach saying you win or you learn. Well, there was a lot of lessons to be learned from a team aspect because there was a personal foul called unsportsmanlike call that. Would have changed and did change the game that led for them having to kick a field goal. Jim McElwain, folks, that name sounds familiar. It should. Came to Mobile, Alabama, and stolen one. Yes, they played Notre Dame. Yes, they played Michigan State. But Jim McElwain came to Mobile and absolutely stolen one for the Chippewas. And when South Alabama again leading fourteen to zero, they have the ability to win the Sun Belt conference. But you have to sustain this blown 14 to nothing lead and not finishing and having a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that cost your team yardage is something that Kane Wamic talked about. Yeah. And they'll work on Do that. You think that. They'll fix that. Does this loss
4: linger more than I mean, it has to, more than the Oklahoma State win. I feel like this loss basically erased any momentum that Oklahoma State gave. You're
1: starting back over from square one. You have to reestablish and reprove yourself once again. Right. And you're able to do that in Sunbelt Conference play because the Jaguars are not pretenders. They're contenders to win the Sunbelt Conference championship. They just have to put together a complete game the way they did against Oklahoma State now that Sunbelt Conference play is about to okay. open. The final drive, we'll put the finishing touches on this Let It Marinate Monday next. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Welcome back to the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. It's been a Let It Marinate Monday. And we've marinated on the NFL and the weird things that happened there. 70 points being scored by the Dolphins, which was unbelievable. 700 yards, of total offense. The Crimson Tide finding a way to win their first SEC game. Auburn struggles offensively. You also had the Saints debacle allowing 18 points in the fourth quarter and Derek Carr being questionable tonight you mentioned you like Baker Mayfield I do to defeat the Eagles I'm
4: I'm low on this Eagles lower than most on this Eagles team I haven't been that impressed by what they've been able to do um in a weird way I think this is their toughest competition they face this year And I'm not just saying that because they're 2-0. I mean, great receiving core. You got some legitimate guys on defense. I mean, this is the remnants of the team that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with. They're still here. Nick, I still think they're going to finish at the bottom of the division. Oh, no. Lower than Carolina? No way. Carolina, they might win two games. Tampa Bay has a great start. They're going to win,
1: at minimum, Tampa Bay will win seven games. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give them seven. And Carolina, I, I really thought that they would – Bryce would, would have more help so far offensively. You knew the offensive line was kind of patchwork a little bit. But I, I still – I didn't think that Tampa Bay would come close to having a chance to win the division, nor did I think the Saints would give up 18 points in the fourth quarter because their defense did their job through three quarters. And then all of a sudden they just disappeared in love. He's an up-and-coming quarterback. But you need that that signature opportunity, that signature moment. He throws his first-ever touchdown pass at Lambeau Field, makes his history there, and comes away and makes the Green Bay Packers. The only positive part for the Saints is the fact that it's not a division game. Yeah. Well, I mean, they – Saints blew a
4: very easy chance to start their season three and zero and to be by themselves at the top of the division. Um, you know well, Tampa Bay hasn't played yet, but and they they missed out on that chance. And those are some of those losses that can either reignite your fire and c- you come back harder and more dominant the next week, or sometimes they can kind of linger and you might be down on yourself. Oh, Derek Carr is out the next couple weeks. Oh, we're gonna really have to piece it together the next few weeks or is it man we can't go down like that again we had it for 3 quarters now we got Kamara back so it just depends how you how you take it and i think that was i think that might be the theme across all football this weekend south alabama how are you going to take this weird loss dallas cowboys how are you going to take this weird loss you know there baltimore are so many ravens baltimore ravens there's so many weird games Houston Texans dominating the Jacksonville Jaguars, who a lot of people thought that they were going to – and the Texans were going to be one of the worst teams. There's just a lot of weirdness in this uh, week three, week four. And we'll find out if it's all just an anomaly or – because, you know, teams start 0-2, and then they could make the playoffs. Teams start 2-0, and they might be in a top ten pick. Uh, So I guess – We'll see what's real and what's
1: not. One thing that's real is that Dolphins team. Yeah, seventy points, They're man. And, and I will and say what Denver was real Broncos yesterday. Are real bad. What was real yesterday for the Pittsburgh Steelers is the fact that they had to have an emergency landing with their flight coming from Vegas. Oh, they they had some engine oil problems and they had to make an emergency landing in Kansas City. So that can be scary <laughs> when you're on yeah. a charter plane there. And thank goodness nothing happened and they were able to go ahead and make it safely back home. But having flight problems. They they had offensive problems last night, but they found a way to get it done with Pickett, just enough yeah. to to get over that hump. So tonight, doubleheader of Monday night football. Really mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Joe Burrow is going to play. I saw him warming up. So that's Don't good know how effective he's going to be. He's hungry. He wants to play. Will he be effective? I, I don't know. A.J. McCarron is now on that roster.
4: We just need a 300-yard, three-touchdown game from Joe Burrow. Prove to us that you're worth the contract because he hasn't had a
1: game like that yet. I don't know if that's going to come tonight, but if I'm Joe Burrow, I know he wants to to redeem himself for not having that elite game yet, but wait and see what you have. Barrett Salee joined us today from CBS Sports and Sirius XM Radio talking college football. Tony Sakalis from Tide Illustrated along with Zach Blackerby locked on Auburn tomorrow. Ronnie Brown, Auburn's great running back. Talking a little Auburn Tigers about Georgia. Reminiscing about his time playing in the Deep South's oldest robbery. Chris Gordy locked on SEC. Scott Hunter, Tracy Turner will be in for the Chavis Furniture Talking football. We'll get their perspective on one disappointing loss and one big-time win. Thank you for letting it marinate on this Monday on the final drive on WNSP 105.5.